everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am deep in one of those feelings where you like, I know everybody's been like experienced this sort of like time fog during COVID times where you're like, I don't know what day it is or what's happening, but that has been me like really hard this week. And I, I like, what day is it? I don't know. I don't guess it super matters, but it's really like my to-do list is suffering. I have bronchitis, so I am uh, I, I, I'm a little scratchy throated and hopefully I will not cough during today's uh, podcast or if I do, Mark, our wonderful sound guy, will make it so that no one has to listen. Um, other than that, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, we are talking about it, it is that time of the year where a lot of our winter premieres are wrapping up. So we are going to go back to a show we talked about towards the earlier part of the year, which is Around the World in 80 Days. And to join us in saying goodbye to this first outing of David Tennant's cosplaying vaguely Doctor Whoish adventures is uh, Carmen Crowen, a contributor who is doing our recaps for this. So, hey, Carmen. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me back again. Um and I've had the stomach flu, so ha! Huh. <laughs> wow, man! All of these diseases that are not COVID. I mean, I'm gonna knock wood really quickly. I don't have anything right now. Like I've been, my allergies have been a little weird. I actually don't even think it's allergies. I think it's just that it's too dry in my condo, and I need to get the humidifier out. But yeah, I just uh, I don't I wear a mask everywhere and don't do anything. So I'm like I don't want I don't want any of these sicknesses. I had a baby throw up on me, so <laughs> <laughs> that's usually how it starts when they're yeah. small. I mean, disease oh, wow. vec. I mean, they really are germ factories yes. for a reason. Yes, mm. I love her, but that was horrible. That was horrendous. <laughs> I mean, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I um, guess. I guess. Way to set the bar low for our discussion <laughs> of this show is better than baby vomit. <laughs> Speaking of which, how did you? So, how did you like our first uh, action adventure show for televisions in a really long time? Maybe ever. Like, have we talked about? I mean, I don't know. I feel like when I was when I was younger, I will not put a specific date on that. I think we talked about this before, but I feel like there were more shows that were kind of like this, and it had like that very sort of Saturday Night ABC vibe. You know what I mean? And I don't like yeah, like you just I don't know. It was it felt refreshing because it was it was something different than you normally see on TV right now. Like this is not this is not the vibe that TV has currently. Right, right. I I enjoyed it a lot, and that's not necessarily my genre of what I would watch, but I was asked if I wanted to do the recap, so I did, and I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. Oh, isn't it nice when that happens instead <laughs> yeah. of like, you're like, I'm going to do these recaps, and it turns out to be like a complete nightmare. I'm looking at you, Masterpiece Drama Roadkill, <laughs> which I was like, it's got Hugh Laurie in it. It's going to be great, and it was not great. Well, you know, expectations low. It, it always helps. And then I, it was much better. I I really did enjoy watching it. I looked forward to seeing the, the episodes as they went on. I I liked it. I did too, which which I also kind of surprises me a little bit because I didn't I didn't really know that I thought this needed to be a show or that it needed to be a show that was this long because it's like eight episodes, eight. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a lot for a British show these days. Mm-hmm. But I like that it that it somehow managed to to make like each little segment 
its own thing from like the setting to sort of what the story was trying to do in that episode to you know the character dynamics and stuff like it was all part of this you know it was all part of the story of him going around the world in 80 days but it wasn't you know like there it was manageable chunks right it was distinctive chapters <laughs> that said i have no idea what they do for a second season of this show. right oh no i'm i mean that's actually the thing that i loved about the ending um though i think we should get to that uh in a minute um i want to know which country was wh- which country stop of the of the eight episodes which was your favorite mm. i am gonna say uh yemen because i love lindsey duncan and i loved um I loved the inclusion of that character and how her story interwove with Abigail's. And it really felt like, I mean, I've, I complained about this in our last episode, but Jules Verne is such a dude heavy, like story universe for me that I was really pleasantly surprised by how much the show tried to like find a space for women in the story and for women watching the show to, to have an entry point into the story. And while I think the India episode was cooler just for stuff to look at, and <laughs> I feel like I've weirdly watched like four shows that have done uh, some form of Bass Reeves in the past <laughs> like year or two. Um, so that was interesting. But I think just the I think that the the Yemen one was just because of the Lindsay Duncan stuff. And I've I've forgotten the name of her very fancy English lady. Uh, it's a uh, Jane Digby. Jane Digby boss queen who is actually like a real person and i i think that's actually one of the things that i was not expecting from this show that really hooked me like um the first thing that really hooked me in this show was episode two's train like Mm -hmm. scene like that was amazing like just really well like even even if you knew perfectly well that they would survive it was just so well done um but once we got on the road and we started meeting historical figures um and this uh, this this goes back to Lacey's, you know, referring to this as sort of Doctor Who cosplay, because that's something we get in Doctor Who. It really is. <laughs> I'm not saying that's like a bad thing, no. but this really feels but like Doctor Who does that. Yeah. They, they they in the historical episodes, they always bring in somebody and like basically it's a little bit of an education, you know, teaching tool. And like I'd heard of Jane Digby and I kind of knew about her. And I really like I loved the fact that basically for people who'd never heard of her, like they learned about her here. And Literally first time I've ever heard this mm-hmm. woman's name. Really? I mean, honestly, yeah. like I, I, I thought that the, I, I thought that was, that was one of the things that I really loved about this episode. And it was the thing. And I, I, as you said, you know, Bass Reeves has been showing up basically since, uh, since, uh, um, Watchmen reminded us he existed in 2019. I know. Like, I'm really glad that media has remembered there are like black cowboys. That's awesome. But also, Surely there must be someone other than Bass Reeves. <laughs> well, well, there is there is that fabulous Regina King movie that just came out on that came out on Netflix a few months ago. Oh, right. Oh, it's on my list of things to watch. And I haven't done it um, with Idris Elba. Oh, God, that is such a great movie. Um, but yeah, Bass Reeves is kind of the go to on uh, TV right now. And uh, I, I loved the fact that he we was got... on an episodes of Legend of Tomorrow, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, though I was slightly disappointed that the Confederate in that in that episode was actually made up he was not a real Mm. he was not a real person abernathy yeah i went googling (laughs) to see if i could find abernathy and even though there were people of that name there is nobody who fits that character correctly like a founder of the ku klux klan (laughs) 
Wait, is he real? Like I thought he was. No, I don't know. I didn't check his name, but I mean that's that was supposed to be. His... Yeah, no, I think I think he's a I think he's a, a an, an amalgamation of several right. people. Right, is what is what that character is. And I was a little disappointed in that I wanted the Confederate to actually be like a real Confederate, so we could learn a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. It had very Nathan Bedford Forrest vibes to me. If that means anything else to anyone, right? And like, especially because he was, be, you know, especially because we have. I mean, I know for Lacey, I don't know about you, Carmen, but growing up in Virginia, you know, you get this big old lost cause, like, oh. you know, <laughs> I just and having down to Charlottesville the other weekend, and we drove through, like, I kid you not, like three separate Confederate battlefields. On our oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was like, just really funny. Having a show actually like, you know, demonize and show you that Confederacy, the, the Confederate people are not people to be lauded or 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 honored would mm-hmm. would have been really great. Um, but as it was, uh, an amalgamation wasn't too terrible. Um, I, I, I have to say, I think um, I loved India because it was so pretty. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. It was just so pretty. Um but of all of the episodes, I think my actual favorite was the one on the desert island, which was kind of the bottle episode. That is my favorite as well, I was going to say. Um, and the weird thing about that is I don't really like beaches. <laughs> oh, I love like, beaches. <laughs> like, as a, like as a concept? I, I don't like to be hot. I'm not really big on the water. I just that, you know, that's not where I would go for a vacation. But I really like that episode. <laughs> I love beaches. Can I tell you, like lying in the sun on the beach, I am one. I I am a totally. I read a book with like a drink that oh is like brightly colored. I just get hot and sweaty. You get an umbrella. Listen, I'm half British, so I I don't I don't tan. I I turn red and then I turn redder and then I turn reddest. So I always have to like hang out under like a, a canopy. Um, just get but... an umbrella. It's like they'll put it up for you. Yeah, no, like um, <laughs> the resort I, guy's job, right? Like I do. I I love the beach, even though like I cannot actually lay in the sun for more than five minutes without like you know dying. Um... Yeah, I don't like being in the water, but I like being near the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so water is. I mean, I live near. You know, we live near Lake Erie. There's water. It's just and it, but it's not so hot. <laughs> That's still a beach, though. Yeah, it's just it not is. an ocean. Beach. It is. I don't like tropical. That's what I don't like. Mm. Can I, okay, can I, I I can dig that. Okay, and and I do actually sort of. There is definitely a bit of a, a pippy in the South Seas vibe to this <laughs> island. Um, to, yeah. to, 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 I, I know that 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 is probably reaching back to a, a heck of a uh, reference, but that was that honestly was sort of what I thought of. Also, of course, lost in Yellow Jackets. Um, but it apparently was a very small island because they could walk around it in a short period of time. So, um. I also was surprised how much I liked the final episode. Mm. Um, I sort of thought of the final episode as a bit of a throwaway. Like this was the, the um, this is the, uh, you know, time zones are hard episode, basically. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, relatable. <laughs> for for all of us who have tried to Zoom with people on the West Coast or, you know, in the UK, we can, we can all relate to how time zones are hard. But um, yeah, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised how much momentum they kept up in that episode for basically the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like I sort of, I, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of a throwaway, like, okay, we're home and then he's going to forget and then we're going to run and then it's gonna be fine. But actually like the whole thing still had that same energy Mm -hmm. that like, it's sort of like the, it's sort of like the show picked up all that energy on the train and just carried it through. Uh I mean, cause there's, there's, you know, him waiting around hoping that Estella will show up. 
and you're like, why is he waiting? Just go, you know, and there she is. And then there's the fight and the the Irish gang, you know, and all that kind of stuff going on. And and then, yeah, then there's the papers and the problem with him having the warrant out. So, yeah, it just it never really let up until the end. I actually really liked all the stuff with Estella and I didn't think that I would mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I'm really happy that they like gave them some nice closure and like a nice moment, but none of the whole like, well, we'll try again. And then that's a thing next season. Right. Like it was really like nicely contained, mm-hmm. I thought, but still like emotionally impactful. Yeah, I was I was kind of afraid when he was standing there waiting for Stella. I was like, really, really, we're just going to go to the whole romance and like, you, you know, the stereotypical music. Wait, okay, wait, I have a dumb question, which is probably to make me look really dumb. But trust me, listeners, I literally watched like six episodes of this over the past like six hours. <laughs> so how did he know that Estella was going to be? I know it was on the card, but how did we work out the timing here? Oh, he just, I don't think he knew. He just hoped. He was just going to like hang out there? Yes, basically. This is not a good plan. <laughs> she sent him the postcard and he just felt that she was going to come. And also... Like that, I Okay. Okay. I feel less dumb though, no. because I really like was like, oh, I must have missed how he knew like when he should be there instead of just standing there for like two days like a dummy. Yeah. But no, he just stood there for two days like a dummy. No, 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 Lacey. This was definitely what we call vibes. Yeah. He at, he also asked the reporter, you know, there were a bunch of uh, press there and he asked them, to, you know, they, they said, everybody in New York knows you're here. So he thought, well, maybe she knows I'm here and she'll come. That is, no. That is, that is uh, a man. That I'm, is a man. I'm going with vibes. He knew because <laughs> vibes. Um, and I, I did love that it was Aunt Sadie from uh, the Pursuit of Love when Estella finally showed up. Oh, thank <laughs> you for. Po- I would. I didn't have time to look up who that was, but I knew it was a. Hey, it's that. Lady. It's Dolly Wells as the actress, and yeah, it's the Volter. Yes, the Volter. Um, I really, I, I loved that. Um, that made me that that cheered me up a lot. Um, because it sort of made sense in a sort of a weird crossovery way. Um, so, um, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, how did you feel about the way they handled the whole Bellamy thing? Oh. <laughs> Wait, which one is Bellamy? Bellamy is the evil dude who who basically. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, I I just referred to him as evil dude. <laughs> um, do you mean the bet part? Yeah, well, both the bet part and the the fact that he's sort of like Mister Antagonist trying to undermine oh, things right. from far like, away. He is not nuanced. Right, that is yeah. not like, a nuanced character. <laughs> yeah, like and, I, and that's sort kind of what I'm trying to get at without actually like you know saying it. Um, was how do we feel about Mister Evil? <laughs> well. The one thing I kind of thought that he was going to redeem himself a little bit when they heard that Fogg and and Abigail, poor nut, but not Pars too. anyway, <laughs> were overboard, were assumed dead. And it looked like he was actually kind of like su- shocked and surprised that that was how far, um, I can't think of the guy's name, Needling went to you know stop him that he kind of regretted that um but then after the way he behaved at the end i i don't think he regretted anything he was just like desperate to get his money and he didn't care that he was um basically laughed out of the club and you know he's disgraced but oh well i've got my money (laughs) 
So he did he did not redeem himself, I guess. I don't know. I just thought at one point I thought he might. I realize that there has to be like a, a figure like this to sort of provide like tension and some kind of like looming threat and whatnot. But like he's like like a D grade Bond villain. And it's just <laughs> like not, I, like as I just demonstrated, did I learn his name throughout eight hours of TV? No, I did no. not. Did I miss anything because I didn't know his name? No, I did not. Like at least Abigail's dad like had some growth. Yeah. Uh, I would I would agree. Um, I uh, I I did. I was a little sad that we didn't get like you know, Parshma two basically like doesn't come into the club and sort of hides away until like everybody's disappeared. So we don't have to see. Uh, so we don't get the chance of Abigail's father to sort of realize how much his daughter's life has changed. Um, and that she has a boyfriend now. I mean, they don't, don't call it a boyfriend because, uh, you know, 1800s. But you know what I mean. Um, a and ge- a I gentleman kind of, suitor. I was kind Thank you. I was kind of hoping that she would be like, Dad, and this is my, you know, my gentleman suitor. Well, she tried to. She tried to do that. But then he had he disappeared. How do we feel? How do we feel like this? Well, the whole show, I guess, generally, because they are... Like, it does really make an effort to kind of grapple with some of the race and colonialism and that kind of stuff that that I am assuming is not in the original text. Nope. Um, And I appreciate it for that. But also, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's weird. Like... It is. It is sort of. Ha- I will. I will say it's sort of half-hearted. They. They. It's the thing about is that they bring it. They bring up racial consciousness when it's convenient for the plot mm. or convenient for character growth, and drop at the moment it stops being convenient for them to think about it. Right. Because after after they had that dramatic dance scene, I was like, oh well, this is going to be like really different after that. Like things between them, things between how they sort of present themselves to the world like how they even how they like present themselves to fog but it's just really like that kind of happened on a different show for five minutes and then we just went back to sort of like standard group dynamics Spo- mm. i mean to be fair i very much get ot3 vibes from this group um and not necessarily abigail and passport passport two uh can i just tell you the episode where the lady kept calling him passport was literally yeah. like giving me life <laughs> Um, I was like, because I did that for like three <laughs> episodes. But anyway, yeah. But back to the actual the the point of of their like, how do we feel their the relationship is sort of handled? I guess is really my question because I think that they, I don't know. It feels to me sort of like they try to have it both ways, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it ultimately kind of lands. Um, I would absolutely agree that a they're trying to have it both ways, and I would also say that this is um, you know, one of the things about this airing now um against something like the Gilded Age, which is actually making, you know, for all that Julian Fellows has his issues, you know, we just had the episode um last week of uh Marion showing up at in Brooklyn and thinking that she's like, you know, benevolently bringing Peggy Scott a pair of shoes and she gets there and Peggy Scott lives in a nicer house than 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 Marion ever did and she she realizes that and she basically like basically has her white privilege checked hard. And you know, when you see, when you, this show isn't willing to go there. This show is trying to 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 wave at racial consciousness without actually dealing with the ugliness that you have to in order to correctly deal with racial consciousness. And 
I think that's partly because it's for it, it. They they want it to be family friendly, and by family friendly, they mean they want it to be white friendly, and they don't want to offend people. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I think that's entirely true because I look at the episode where they're actually in America, and they really are conscious of the fact that, like, passport, passport two, not passport, that <laughs> um, his experience is like a a black French man is very different from a black um, American, a black American or a former enslaved person from America like that. Like, like I thought that was surprisingly nuanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are points where they get it right because they wanted to get it right there because they wanted to make a point of if we're going to go to the old West, let's in, in America, let's, you know, tell the real story here. But then the moment they leave the old West in America, it just all gets dropped again until it's convenient to bring it back. Well, except that when they're on the ship, what I felt was he felt it, it was like a class thing when they were traveling the world and then when they got to America, it was a race thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Meaning meaning that because he was like, a servant. not America, he's a servant. Right. Right. When when they were, you know, he always felt like, well, you know, you're just a silly man with a lot of money. You don't understand what my life is like. You're expecting, you know, you know, you're entitled and you don't, you know, I, I felt like it was, well, you're the servant, you know, everybody kind of forgets you. And but when they came to America, it was definitely race. And when they were on the boat, it was race. It's like America, it was a race problem. Everywhere else, it was just, well, you're lower class. But I that's don't. not true is right. the problem. Right. And and it, it, it sort of lets other countries, you, you know, of of this is this is a show that was made by a bunch of different European mm. television stations and Masterpiece kind of signed on after it was already like be, it was already like underway and I sort of wonder if there's a level where they were like you know w we don't want to offend anybody outside of America but we can we can offend America because we know that they have problems <laughs> <laughs> or Europeans think they have more subtle racism yeah, or something. I don't know. Actually, but I, I just I, I actually to Carmen's point, I actually really think that's an interesting way to look at it because I do think that I mean, God knows, America America has the has a very specific historical, you know, background in these issues that's different from Europe and and I do think that the from the perspective of a European looking at America, their idea of how Americans see and deal with race is not only different from the truth, but also different from how, like, we as Americans would see it. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, th that does make sense. And and I do think that there is a level where this is made by Europeans. Um, so we are seeing ourselves from their perspective um, rather than our own, which is, you know, since Hollywood originated in America is not something we are always used to. I do think they did a better job with the sort of with the sort of race issue as pertains to Passepartout and, and America than they did about uh, colonialism in India. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would 100% agree with that. And that's part of why I was thinking, you know, there are times when they just don't want to deal with it, so they just don't. 
um, because it, they don't want to deal with the uncomfortableness of it. And the India episode is definitely one of them. I mean, that's also one where, I'll, you know, they've changed the books to the point where, where it wasn't nearly as bad. But, you know, India is probably one of the Wait, most. What happens in the book? Do you know? Uh, in the I book, this I'm is OK. In the book, this is where he meets the. OK, so Estella doesn't exist in the book. Um, instead, he falls in love with an Indian woman who he rescues during their adventure there, and he I rescues did kind her of get from shippy vibes from him and that lady, it, uh, the lady who was sort of like the the mother. Mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, while they're while they're in India, they come across a procession where they see a young Indian woman who has been drugged with like opium or something, and she's basically about to be put on the funeral pyre of her dead husband and burn alive. Oh, no. Oh, just stop. I don't even want to know any more about this. <laughs> and, and basically, like, he rescues... <laughs> okay, so basically, Fog, like, runs in and, like, basically, like, you know, the these savages are about to burn a woman alive and he saves her life. Oh, dear. And, and, and then he takes her with him and they fall in love. Plus is- side, this is better than that. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's what I'm saying is by removing all of that, you know, they 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 have it, they improved it simply by not doing that. Um, but <laughs> you know, but at the same time, we have this, you know, just because they've improved it by not doing the really terrible thing doesn't mean they replaced it with something that was actually like, you know, perfect. They 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 just they 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 reached for somewhat better. <laughs> I thought it was speaking of saving people. I thought it was kind of nice in the in the western part where both Pespertu and uh, Abigail saved one another at one point. I, I thought that that was that was a much better like. I mean, as, as a relationship, just in general, like leaving leaving aside like the fact that the show sort of did and didn't deal with racism. Um, I really did like their relationship and I liked how they built the relationship as as believable. It wasn't like something where, oh, well, we're throwing them together because they're the two that aren't fog. I don't I don't even know how I feel about their relationship, to be honest with you, because I feel like uh, I, I mean, they're fine. That's kind of where I'm, I net out with the pair of them is, is that they're fine. I like both characters individually together. I guess they're fine. I wasn't but rooting I also, for them or anything. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't like what you weren't what shipping is, them. What did the young people say? Shipping, shipping. <laughs> um, young people. I said. I just said it ten minutes ago. Um, but I feel like I didn't need that from this show. Like this feels like a show, and I am sorry to everybody who does not read fan fiction. As I bring literally every discussion back to fan fiction at some point, <laughs> this is a show that feels to me. Like the show should just like they should just go on their little like trio of adventures and like let the fan fiction writers like come up with the romance like in the off season. Like I just <laughs> didn't need that from this show. And I think it wasn't particularly like good at it. Um, I, I will say that I was expecting I, I think part of the reason why I didn't mind the relationship, why I why I felt it worked is because I was expecting it not to work at all. I was expecting it to feel very forced. <laughs> the bar was that low. Yes. I felt I was expecting it to feel forced. And like that they were basically doing this because they needed to have a relationship in it. And that you like know what I think it you know what I think it is a little bit for me? And this may I don't know if this makes me a terrible person. It might. Uh, I think it's because to go back to our discussion of race, that's the one thing they never talk about, about their relationship. And it would have been a huge thing. 
Yes, not absolutely. Not like whether Abigail cared about you know interracial dating or whatever, but it would have been a concern. Like it should have come up, mm-hmm. I guess. And like I. I know they kind of acknowledge it because they're like, oh, everything's going to change now. I wish we could always just stay on our adventures so we could be together. But that's not really like acknowledging it. But no. that's what season two is, is right? <laughs> I mean, uh, actually, and, and I think that's a perfect way to bring up season two, because I don't know if um, I don't know if our, our, our listeners realized or picked up on this. But the moment that Fog said the moment she the moment that Fix says um, they think it's a narwhal, that's 20,000 Leagues mm-hmm. Under the Sea. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that. I have not <laughs> yeah. read any of these books. Okay, I didn't either, yes. but I knew that that's what they were referring to. <laughs> narwhals are what people always used to, like, people used to find their horns and think they were unicorn horns. That's all I know about narwhals. Yeah. So basically, um, basically, season two is setting them up to basically be Captain Nemo and go on But aren't on they the- making a show of that? No, no, no. They're making uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, right. Okay. I made jokes that they were going to then greenlight 20,000 Leagues <laughs> Under the Sea. But apparently they're not because they're just going to do 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea as Around the World in 80 Days Part 2. I mean, that's fine, but, I guess. But you're right. I don't know enough about the story to care one way or the other. You you like, say, you know, you say, well, they, they could have a relationship if they were just carrying on the way they had been traveling around the world. So let's just run off and leave the reform club and not face anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, that is kind of what they do. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know. It just made, it, it makes, it takes me out of it a little bit that that's not something that, that either, I can't imagine that, that Abigail meets a lot of black French men in her day-to-day life. So I just, you know, the fact that it's like never even something that is, kind of dealt with in passing rings a little false to me and maybe that's why I'm just kind of like oh well they're just going to put them together like regardless because in real life that would come up but you know too I look back to when she was talking to Jane Digby about you know and her advice you know live your life for yourself do what you want to do and she could have seen her as a role model for for that kind of life you know well yeah except her life turned out kind of well I mean her life She's like riding around a desert with her man, and that's great for her. But everybody's like, "Oh, she embarrassed herself and ran off with a camel but, driver." But, so there's negatives. But we know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't care. I don't know. Season two. I really like. I'm not mad about a season two. I thought that I. I thought that I would be like, "Oh, how are they gonna?" I don't really like. Now that you say that, that's the other one of the other stories. I kind of see it. I also I felt like I felt like the end of this season was kind of like a pretty great ending and I don't know that I need a second season but I like their sort of friendship vibes. I like their group. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they have really great like friend chemistry amongst all three of them and I don't mind watching them together. They're very the cast is very appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, um, I I wouldn't mind them having a TARDIS. <laughs> But honestly, like, okay, so... Well, you know, Russell Davies is coming back. I mean, Abigail does have very, like, companion vibes. I mean, she does. Um, Can I... uh, This is, you know, because we sort of vaguely reference 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I um, I also want to note that, you know, there's actually two novels for... um, for for Jules Verne that, that 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 deal with the Nautilus, which is the uh, the the, Wait, the are fictional they sub- get like a submarine. Yes, basically it's a fi- it's a bit it's a fictional submarine that belongs to Captain Nemo, um, and 
it, it it's introduced in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, but there's also a second story um, that isn't nearly as famous, and I'm completely blanking on the name. Um, but basically, my point is that there are two stories that that involve this submarine, and I'm wondering if they chose to do this because they think they might even get a third season out of it. Hmm. You mean and, like a, and, like a like they would adapt both of those books as seasons two and three, or yeah, I'm that, making air quotes adapt because there's a lot of this is very loosely adapted. Ah, the right. mysterious island. That's the name of the other story. Uh, Sorry, I had to I had hmm. to run and look it up because I could not remember. Um, yeah, I've literally it, never heard of that. Would it be a yeah. bad thing for them just to have original adventures? You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I this, don't. I think it'd be fine. They made up half of that, like. I, mm-hmm. Clearly, like some of these adventures have been have been judiciously rewritten. Right. So why not? And honestly, like one of the things about Jules Verne's books is that they don't actually make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> like no, 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 no. Like uh, I, I, the thing I vaguely remember about the Mysterious Island is that it has something to do with the Civil War. Um, but we are already in like the eighteen seventies in twenty thousand in 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 around the world in eighty days. So. I I I I I think that there's like a chronology issue, but you know, considering that they're so loosely like they're so loosely adapting these and so sort of just taking them as jumping off points, that I don't see why we couldn't go to completely original adventures. I sort of assumed that season two would be some kind of of some kind of completely original adventure until they said narwhal, right. and then I went, oh, um. And because obviously that's what they were thinking. But, you know, honestly, for all I know, they just that was a misdirection in season two might be a completely different adventure of, oh, yeah, we were going to go to chase a narwhal. But this happened, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't actually think the plot is that important, if that makes sense. Like, I don't really like I've forgotten huge chunks and I literally just watched this this morning. I've already forgotten huge chunks of like the specifics of whatever happened to them in various places. I mean, there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of places they didn't go when they went around the world. I mean, there's lots of other locations they could explore. I was also going to say, like, you when you say that, do you mean like, you know, like how some mysteries are character forward and the mystery doesn't matter. It's just there to drive the characters. Because I I really feel like the the charm of this show and the the stuff that works about the show is these three characters together and their and their relationship and dynamics together i don't really think it matters what they're doing i mean i don't know when did like when did we have the whole craze of like craze of like egyptology are we getting close to that Mm. um no the craze of egyptology was 1920s and it was because the guy the guy who actually owned downton abbey the real guy who owned (laughs) highclere castle um found uh king tut's tomb oh yeah and he like cursed everyone yes great job dude But I mean, yeah, you could make something up out of that. Like they could go like find mummies in Egypt or I don't know. I feel like they, South they America did, is they, a blank yeah, slate. They didn't hit South America at all. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. They could go discover avocados in Mexico. They could look for the Fountain of Youth or like Aztecs or I don't or Azt- Aztecs and Mayans are different. Yes. Two ideas for one there. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I thought this was like I thought this show was fine. Like it's not one of those things that I'm like texting all my friends to be like you have to watch this show. It's so amazing, but it's like I always really pleasant. It is which pleasant. is rare these days. And I felt good after the episode was over. I had a I had good feelings afterwards. That's yeah. a nice thing. 
and and paired with something like all creatures great and small which is also not really the adventures aren't aren't what matters the fact that they save a cow is um or a sheep or a pig or whatever um you know it, it i think these two worked really well together as a pair and if if um if it is ready to have a second season for this time next year, um, which we don't actually know. I know that season two was greenlit um, before, like sometime in December. I have to but... imagine that, well, I know that restrictions are changing pretty much like every day all around the world. But I feel like up until like right now, filming in all these various places was probably a challenge. Well, I, probably. I, re- I remember, and did you guys watch Staged? Yes. Yeah. So... There was a point where David Tennant was talking about, oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go to um, South Africa and and uh, film. And then he was then he had to stop because, you know, something happened. And it's like, I wonder if that was referring to, you know, going and and filming around the world in 80 days. I mean, he didn't say that. I don't know. You know, I know. No, actually, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh really? Um, yes, I'm pretty sure oh. it was. Though, um, he's not actually allowed to say whether or not it is. Um, but I remember actually, I remember that and thinking to myself, "Oh, he's talking. He's oh. talking about rather with lady days." Um, well, that's interesting because that means they must at least have done like a big chunk of it. Because thanks to my obsessive trolling of David Tennant's wife's Instagram, I know that he is currently filming Good Omens. Oh, so yes. um, honestly, uh, the thing is, is this this was originally greenlit. For Christmas 2020, mm. back in like the fall of 2019. Wait, the one we just watched or the second season? The, the one, we, the just one we just watched was supposed to air originally Christmas 2020. Um, and it had been greenlit and started filming before the pandemic started. And then it basically had to stop and it went completely dead for like a, almost a year and a half, I think, before they picked it back up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I am... I, um, I would really like to see this come back with All Creatures Great and Small Season 3 if that can work out. Because I think these two as a pair work really well as a January, you know, doldrums of winter type show. Um, I, I would like them to find a better mystery to pair with it, though. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> Um, I can see it working in like a variety of time slots because, like I said, this this does have a very kind of throwbacky, old school family TV vibe that I just like. I don't know. There's not a lot of others. There's not a lot of stuff that's like that right now mm-hmm. that I really think you probably it, could. It could be more holiday. Like I feel like you could sit down and watch well, this. with I mean, your the whole thing family. is, this was as I said, this was originally envisioned as a holiday mm. show, and it aired in the UK. It's eight hours long. How? Where is it going to air on a holiday? Um, on in the UK, they aired two episodes a day, starting on Boxing Day through to the New Year. Oh, that's a lot. Th- they love their TV at Christmas. And it's funny because <laughs> I remember when we first started talking about this, we were like, "Oh, I wonder if them double pumping it like that will actually be like better." I actually, I actually really think that the weekly. And I say this as somebody who watched literally all of it together. I feel like Weekly is is better for this kind of show. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um, this is not a show. Um, as much as I liked watching episodes one and two together because I thought episode one was very weak and it needed episode two to kind of get mm. the momentum going. Once we got that momentum going, it it sustained itself. And the 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 one the 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 adventure in a country per week style of it really worked for me. Yeah, I yeah, like that. I agree. And I'm not I'm not super into 
into the weekly model right now. I am. I am super into the weekly model. Well, it depends. It depends on the show. Like I said, I think for this kind of show, it it really does. It really does work. Even even if I saw a thing where an intern said that a uh, succession coming up with this whole weekly thing was an emo- was the most amazing thing, and, wow. and that all TV shows should do it. Tell me you never saw TGIF without ever telling me you didn't see TGIF. I know. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say that just literally melted my brain. I was going to say sorry. something meaningful, but I don't remember what it was because now. I am more. No, I, 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 I will then. I will then take this opportunity to pump the idea that everything should go back to weekly, and that I really, genuinely, as much as 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 I know. Oh, Netflix- I know what I, I know. What I was going to say. I was going to okay. say because I watched it all together. It's mm-hmm. really easy to spot some of the f- holes and flaws. Like because I watched it all together, I'm like, I have no idea how you need to go to that clock tower in that time. They don't, like literally, I've just watched all of this, and they never told me. And I feel like that is definitely something I would have sort of eluded over in a week-to-week broadcast. So sometimes, sometimes it helps. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm very into the weekly format. Um, you know, Netflix came in and tried to disrupt television with binge, and dis- and television just disrupted it right back. Ah, huh, so, um, gosh. We've been talking for a while already. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I'm looking forward to season two, and I never thought I'd say that. Same. Uh, me too. I I thank you for asking me to recap <laughs> because I probably <laughs> wouldn't have watched. Hey, it. you want to recap season two next year? <laughs> sure. Put it in the calendar. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't have watched this if we had like, if I hadn't had to for the show. But mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm glad that I put it in my eyeballs, which I have definitely. You know, we've done more than our fair share of shows, I think, where I have not found that to be true. So, I don't regret watching it, which is always nice. (laughs) That's the very least you can say. (laughs) I'm I'm still hoping, though, that we find a way to, like, you know, move Matt Smith into this world. (laughs) I can't. I can't. This already feels like it's just too close to the line of conviction for me in so many different ways. I just cannot. Okay, but what if Chris Eccleston, what if Christopher Eccleston showed up? I will literally watch him do anything, so that's not fair. But... (laughs) I also just he doesn't have the right he doesn't have the right feel for me for the show. No, you're right. Matt Smith is much closer. And that's why I keep harping on that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that Eccleston or Capaldi would be right in this universe. I don't think they're doctor. I don't think their doctors would be into this. I thought David Tennant was perfect for this, actually. Yeah, Um. I, maybe Michael Sheen. Maybe that's who <gasps> we need to work. In. I love Michael Sheen. <gasps> I love them together. I Let's know. have him be Captain Nemo. Look at me fan casting. Oh. Um, <laughs> just saying, BBC, if you're listening. You're not listening, just in case you are. Um, clearly, we have gone off the edge here at the end of this episode. So with that, I will simply say thank you for joining us, Carmen. Oh, thank you. And tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Okay, I'm trying to be more... Uh, prepared. I am on Twitter at Brit- <laughs> You're our, uh, darling. You are already the most like prepared one on the show, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm only on two on two social medias. So uh, Twitter at Brit Telly Addict, um, where I retweet my blog posts with you guys, and I just talk about British stuff that I've watched, and I don't. I talk a lot about libraries and books because. That's what I do for a living. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram at British Telly Addict. And there I just kind of share pictures of my uh, great Pyrenees dog and um, pictures of my adopted hometown, which is Cleveland. So 
So it has nothing to do with being a British telly addict. I know. Insert Cleveland Rocks joke here. Yeah. Um, exactly. Annie, you're up. Uh, let's see. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy, very ill-behaved cats on at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Um, Max has figured out how to open the door to my office, you guys. Um, I, I don't know if I'm if I'm ever going to be able to function or have a, a proper Zoom call with you know my boss without having a large fuzzy tail suddenly walk across the screen because he's managed to get into the office again. Uh, let's see. Um, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and uh, associate editor here at Televisions. I also freelance around the web. Um, so if you want to know what I wrote this week, just basically go to my Twitter because I retweet all my bylines there. Okay? Thanks. Huzzah. Um, if anybody's even still listening to this outro, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie Carmen, I write a lot around the entertainment web and here at Televisions. But I always tweet my bylines. So... Be my friend, and you can see all of them, even the bad takes, which there are some. Uh, if you just want cat photos, my boys are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. And if you don't want any of that, the site and the pod are on social media, talking about British stuff all the time at Television's blog, all one word on Facebook, and Telly under Telly underscore Visions, hard to say, on Twitter. Uh, we are also. Um, on YouTube and I keep pausing because I don't know why I have this mental block about like our YouTube address but we are we are we at PBS on YouTube we also have a newsletter which you can subscribe to to get all this sent directly to your inbox instead of listening to me spew about it for five minutes you can subscribe at televisions.org slash subscribe or just on our front page at televisions.org where you can also click on a donate button to help us keep doing everything that we do here and support public media at the same time You'll also get access to PBS Passport, where you can watch a bunch of stuff early or exclusively or both. PBS Passport is great, is what I'm saying. I'm going to end this show because I clearly should not still be talking. So thank you all for listening. Please take care of each other. Upgrade your mask game. Get your booster and encourage the vaccine hesitant in your life to get their shots. We will be back next week. See you soon.